Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people. Welcome to our show. Medium people. Anyone welcome. Welcome anyone who want to learn more about revenue, how you can optimize your revenue to increase revenue and many other things I'm going to discuss with Ryan Shen. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I love the introduction. Yeah, it's my team. You know, usually <laughs> tell them be concise <laughs> and creative. You know, most audience is coming to learn. So uh, the intro should be short, but creative, you know, it's not like to copy others and yeah, I don't limit their possibilities. Just tell them, please create something new <laughs> and they do this job. Okay. Uh, Ryan, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I started off uh, actually in, in tech sales at a startup called Yext, Y-E-X-T. Uh, in 2010, I was, uh, you know, cold calling and I was just on the on the ground, uh, on the floor uh, making sales. And that's when I learned about startups and venture capital. They had just raised, you know, a series B. I didn't even know what a series B meant at the time and uh, sort of really learned the game. And from there, I stayed there about a year uh, and then went down to Virginia and I joined these other two guys that had this uh, really small project called M Help Desk, and it was a B2B SaaS company, and it helped field service companies manage work orders and dispatching and scheduling. So I joined as sort of the sales guy because I just, you know, was doing sales at a startup in New York. And I said, look, why don't we all kind of go full time on this? We got free space at AOL because AOL is a massive campus in Virginia that they weren't really using anymore. And uh, we built that company up over the next four years uh, to over 80 employees. And we got acquired by Home Advisor, which is was owned by IAC and they bought Angie's List. And now it's its own public company. Um, when I left there, I wanted to uh, stay in my lane and uh, I was really focused on founder market fit. So I wanted to sell software B2B SaaS to SMVs. And then I started a call analytics company called PhoneWagon and PhoneWagon helped SMBs uh, track when they get phone calls from marketing campaigns across the web, and uh, you know got accepted to TechStars through through with PhoneWagon. We raised a little under two million from some good VCs and some really top angels, and uh, built the company up. And you know thousands of paying customers, millions in ARR, and then we got acquired um, in 2021 by CallRail. So that was a great exit. I was founder CEO. Um, and, uh, it gave me a lot of confidence. And then, you know, for the next call it past two years, you know, I was really thinking like, you know, this venture route isn't necessarily the only route, the best route, right? There's, you know, and I was really interested in, you know, there's a lot of, uh, what they're calling boring businesses that people are starting to buy up. They're just cash flowing, um, profitable. Like that's really interesting. Just this sort of raise venture and, you know, you have to hit the, the metrics to get to the next round and the next round and dilution. And it's really tough, right? So I was like really focused on, Hey, should I buy a, a, a small profitable cash flowing company? Should I invest in one? Like, how does that work? And, uh, really over the past few years, I've been kind of thinking a lot about it. And, uh, so then I started share Willow and share Willow is profit sharing software. So it helps companies create profit sharing plans where they can, you know, do distributions to their employees or to their shareholders. If there's, you know, investors that maybe bought a cash flowing company. So that's where we are today. 
Um, been uh, been kind of at it for the past uh, five months. Uh, you know, we're we're in the middle of a of, of a capital raise right now, and uh, product is uh, should launch within the next thirty days. So that's where we are. Oh, nice, nice. Love, love your experience. Can you tell about your background? You know, you started many companies, you know. Uh, can you tell about your background and ideas? How you find these ideas to start a new company? Uh, because, yeah, you did it many times. I see this struggle in my audience. They are asking how to find these ideas, how to unite with your existing background. Any tips about that? Yeah, so obviously you only know what you know, right? So I think sort of getting exposure uh, to things um, is really important. Um, my, I mean, my background, like I, I pretty much, I, I told you, you know, the, the professional background. Before that, you know, I was in college, during college um, and even high school, I had a clothing company. So me and uh, one of my friends, we were selling uh, this this clothing brand called Coloco, where basically Coloco means local in Hawaiian. So we were creating like very localized, um, like merch drops basically where, you know, you'd have like a low, you could be low, everyone's local somewhere. Right. But a lot of times, especially in like beach town. So anyway, I did that in high school. That was cool. I had also done a lot of like just small kind of like eBay flipping back in like, Oh, eight, Oh nine, when it, before it was like cool. Um, but I guess what's the background? I mean, my background, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just always been, you know, and I've, you know, I've been doing Airbnb. I've kind of always been just doing like little hustles. And then kind of once I see something big, I think like, I don't know, I think a lot of it is intuition. I think a lot of it is like, you know, if I had experience maybe working, you know, and learning the game, then it's sort of like, do I have the confidence to go all in and say like, I can do this, you know, I can build you know, the right people around me, the systems and everything to, to do it sort of like as my own boss. Um, but it's really, it's, there's definitely a lot of sort of like gut and intuition and then sort of like having that confidence that you're able to like build this thing, like basically being able to like see the vision. Like I know exactly what I need to do in order to sort of take this thing to where it needs to be. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think confidence depends on your background, you know, <laughs> on your experience. Yeah. It's hard to be confident if you uh, know. If you're not confident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like this. Okay. Uh, uh, can you tell about Cher Willow? Uh, what kind of difference you have to similar uh, software? I think this niche is... Uh, overwhelmed, overpriced with competition, M many big players are on this game. So can you tell why your tool uh, is better? Uh, what kind of benefits uh, people can get by using your tool and how you are going to develop uh, all features that you have? Yeah, so 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 actually, um, you know, I, I would argue there's, I haven't seen any standalone profit sharing mm -hmm. software tool on the market. Um, you know, there's uh, commission tracking tools for like sales reps. There's obviously like benefits tools and payroll and, you know, 401k stuff. But I haven't seen anything that helps companies, you know, create profit sharing plans, you know, do distribution. So, you know, on one side, a lot of companies are using Excel, right? And, you know, they're maybe creating this plan because what happens is they're saying, all right, here's our here's our profit. Let's say our adjusted profit is a million bucks. Now, now they say, okay, we're going to allocate 30% of that to employees. 
but it's not just been evenly distributed, right? You might do, you know, you make it based on tenure. You might make a portion of it on performance. You might make another portion of it, you know, based on, you know, just maybe that portion is flat. You know, everyone gets the same. So there's like different criteria that sort of gets built into this. And then let's say 30% goes to employees, like we just said. Maybe the rest then goes to owners as owner distributions, right? So owners of the company are now going to, you know, get the rest. They're going to get 70%. And they're going to get their distributions based on how much percent of the company they own called pro rata. Um, so I have, you know, we think that there's potentially a first mover advantage. Um, and with that comes a little bit of risk, right? Like, you know, look, maybe there's not people doing it because there's not a market for it. But, you know, we've been talking to a lot of companies that are either doing this or aspire to do it. And they think, you know, if we educate the market and also bring easy to use tools and templates of best practices to people that you're going to be able to kind of get critical mass pretty quickly. So that's what we're doing in the strategy. And, you know, the uh, idea is like, you know, and look, there's a bunch of different ideas. There's, uh, you know, can we sell it through? Because, by the way, profit sharing can also get pushed into 401ks. So it's like, is this a 401k add-on, right? Do we distribute this through benefits brokers, through 401k, you know, third-party admins, right? Like, is that a channel? Um, you know, do we do channel sales? Do we do direct sales? Sort of, uh, you know, is it going to be like sales-led growth, marketing-led growth, product-led growth, right? Those are all considerations um, in the beginning. But back, anyway, back to your your question, um, I haven't seen any any software tools on the market that do it if you do know any that are for profit sharing let me know like i think obviously there's room for a few different players for yeah. sure um but we haven't come across any and that's sort of why we decided to build it right like there's not tools people are all using excel and they're maybe sharing google sheet templates that you copy you know copy to to your own um and yeah so that's kind of why you know gave me conviction to sort of like let me go down this path because you know i think and by the way, with the shift in the market from growth at all costs, venture capital, raise, raise, raise to like, hey, sustainable, profitable growth, right? Like valuations have come down, venture dollars have kind of dialed back a little bit. And, you know, shifting the market right now to this like mindset of profitability, I think like timing is right and product is right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm using Excel. You know, <laughs> I love Google like spreadsheet. Uh, I use a lot. So, yeah, it helps. Uh, yeah, uh, I need to figure it out about your tool to learn more and can you tell you know uh, i usually see when it's a big struggle when companies adapt to new tools because they want to get user-friendly interface they want to get how it can help them so can you tell about uh, uh how to learn about your tool do you have special guides how it's simple uh, hard and uh, how much time to spend because we are busy i'm so busy you know with my projects sometimes uh, you know i, I have like plus 20 tools that I want to review, but I have no time with that because of other priorities. So any tips about user-friendly interface and where to start? Yeah, of course. We're like built everything, you know, from scratch, best practices, working with um, one of the top, in my opinion, B2B SaaS designers like in the world. And we're sort of building it with the, the idea of we want to make it almost feel consumer software, like consumer app, but it's B2B app. You know, just like if you're familiar with, you know, Gusto, Gusto, it's like it, Gusto makes payroll software beautiful. It makes the experience delightful. You know, I love going into Gusto and doing payroll. Like, who in the past would have been like, I love going into ADP and submitting payroll? Like, that's so boring. It seems so bad. But now Gusto, you know, has 
confetti flying, great fonts, light, you know, margins and gap, like everything is beautiful. And that's, you know, the path and the mindset that we're taking, you know, how do we reduce clicks, make it incredibly intuitive, you know, make the onboarding experience very seamless, have, you know, a progression bar where it's like, you do this, 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 it's very, you know, in your face, as far as what you need to get done and sort of driving people through it. We also, you know, we'll walk, walk more larger enterprises through, but we think the product speaks for itself and you can go in and you can create your first plan. We give you templates so you don't just start from scratch and customize it and sort of make it your own if you need to make some changes. But, you know, I think that's the best way. It's like, hey, how do we hook, you know, customers and get them in quickly and get them, you know, quickly to that aha moment where they're like, wow, there's significant value here. I want to ask about something that most people concern about privacy. You know, it's interesting. I remember when I told one of my customer to set up a Microsoft Clarity. It's a free tool, but he replied to me, I don't want to share data with Bill Gates. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. if you are talking about big companies like Microsoft, people distrust them. Uh, but when I tell about small tools uh, that just start their ways, uh, the trust is lower. So yeah. can you tell about privacy, uh, for example, if I'm going to use your tool, that means I need to share my data that I don't want to show to anybody else in this world. So can you tell how I can be sure that this data will live on this tool and that's it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we, we take best practices in terms of, of like data storage and encryption, 286-bit encryption, stuff like that. So it's all, all stored at the encryption level. We're also not taking... Um, tons of you know materially private information a lot of it you know a lot of it is sort of uh you know the calculations behind it um i think uh i do think you know there there are some you know private information that that does get stored but sort of like at the encrypted level and with you know just kind of best practices of uh data yeah Okay, and um, I wanna. You you mentioned that you are going to market this tool. Uh, yeah. You have no strategy. If I got it right, I mean, like uh, you are going to test different strategies, like uh, direct sales uh, or uh, other channels. Can you tell or describe this channel that you are going to use and tell about your ideal customer profile? Uh, yeah. Which companies can get more benefits by using your tool? So we have three different types of companies that we're going after. We're going after profitable small business SMBs, profitable SMBs that are doing 5 million in revenue and above, right? Mm -hmm. Then we're also going after micro PE funds that are buying those businesses. So there's a lot of, you know, small funds that are getting organized to acquire those businesses. So we're going after the businesses. We're going after the funds that are buying those businesses. And then the third ideal customer profile that we're not going to go after for maybe six months, six to 12 months is larger enterprises, enterprises that have profit sharing as a benefit, right? Usually as a, as a 401k benefit, but it's profit. These are large, large enterprises, Delta, Southwest Airlines, Procter and Gamble, Google, those large enterprises have profit sharing as a, as a line item on total compensation. And we're going to do sales led growth. We're going to do direct sales for the enterprises in about a year. So that's kind of not where we're starting. We're starting with content, marketing-led growth, product-led growth, right? Where we're going to get them in, we're going to educate them, podcast, 
TikToks, videos, YouTube videos. We're just going to create a ton of content around profit sharing, why you should be doing profit sharing, why profit sharing is better than, you know, um, stock options, right? You know, stock options with Carta doesn't really work a lot of the times, especially for employees. Let me just hope down the road in five, six years, maybe this is worth something. And I hope that my grant was, you know, less than what it sells for. And it's like, look, you should be asking for real profit sharing where you get real dollars every year in either cash or pushed into your 401k. Your 401k contribution can now be way more than 22k a year. It's now 66k a year. So there's tons of great things. We're going to educate the market, tons of content that's going to feed them and then product stuff from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, okay. Ryan, uh, I want to ask about uh, mistakes that you can see companies still do by uh, using similar, okay, if you have no uh, similar uh, software, but similar features on uh, big software. Yeah. And uh, your tips how to find another way. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my, my, uh, the biggest thing that comes to mind is companies that are sort of arbitrarily granting their employees stock options. They're using Carta, they're doing stock option grants, and they're sort of making, it's not necessarily a false promise, but it's more of like a, a glimmer and a hope that something in the future might happen. And you're sort of selling this dream, right? And you got to think about it with stock options. A lot of times the employees don't really know how many options you have total outstanding in the pool. Uh, you don't know how much they're worth. You don't know the valuation that was uh, that the company had when your options were granted to you, right? So a lot of times, if a company's worth a hundred million, you get granted stock options at that valuation. But now, if the company's only worth fifty million, your stock options are worth zero because you got the price uh, a wrong price, basically, right? So. And again, stock options aren't the best way to motivate employees. Employees are leaving companies because it's like they don't understand these stock options, right? So what I would say is create, you know, something like a profit sharing plan where you're giving real dollars to your employees every year and use a tool like ShareWillow where they can then see, oh, historically, last year I got 9K in profit share. The year before I got a, like 8k in profit share so they can see that it's a significant portion there's visibility into it and they can understand the calculation behind it they understand what they need to do what behavior changes they need to do in order to maximize their share of the profit sharing plan um so so that's really it it's really a lot about the visibility the transparency and and making this like a real tool to drive behavior change uh within employees using you know this as a portion of compensation yeah, love it. Yeah, transparency, especially. I think salespeople will love this tool, you know, uh, especially because yeah, yeah. They, they, are, they are motivated a lot to get more sales. Uh, uh, I want to ask about something that it's hard to ignore today. Uh, that was simple yesterday, uh, impossible tomorrow, you know, about AI. Uh, I spoke with Jeff Coyle, co-founder of Market News, uh, and he told me in my podcast that in the future we will have three companies. The first company will develop AI, the second company will implement AI, and the third company will be obsolete. Who can leave the trade, forget about anything. So can you tell how you implement AI in your tool and uh, how it can help to stand out from the rest? <laughs> so uh, I guess short answer is we're not doing anything at the moment to implement mm -hmm. AI within the tool. You know, I think like as we're developing it, we're using AI for some market research stuff. So like that's helping. Um, 
maybe the developers are using it to maybe check some code. Uh, you know, if there's errors in code, we're not, you know, I guess right now, uh, we haven't really implemented true AI into the software. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's my short answer. We're not, you know, mm -hmm. chasing, you know, and my, and my sort of opinion of it is like, we don't want to just chase, you know, this shiny object. If it doesn't make sense. I think if there's places later, right. To, to sort of like put AI, maybe, you know, maybe it's a conversation engine that sort of is backed by AI in a similar like chat GPT way where you sort of like have a conversation and then it sort of builds your profit sharing plan based on, you know, natural language. But right now that's like, yeah, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. Okay. Uh, can you, uh, you shared about, uh, ideal customers, but, uh, yeah. I want to know about ideal, uh, positions on these companies. Uh, I mean, like, for example, accounting, uh, uh, I don't know any other, uh, positions because, you know, for example, I spoke with my two brothers, they back in accounting industry and, uh, uh they told me that, uh, they need to do a lot of manual job, you know, uh, yeah. because tools can't decide a lot of problems. Data is different. They need to unite them, combine. Uh, can you tell how your tool can help in accounting, uh, business accountants and, uh, or uh, any other position in companies that can use your tool? Yeah. So a lot of times, so we were talking to, uh, we were actually talking to a pretty big firm that does sort of like outsourced accounting and CFO services yeah. for small businesses. Right. And they were saying, you know, a lot of their clients have these profit sharing plans and it, it actually falls on their lap to manage the plans. Um, and you know, the thing is a lot of times for these plant, for you to like actually make the distribution for your employees, you require certain inputs from different team members. So the accountant might be waiting on a manager to give the performance number for each of the employees because the, the, the profit sharing plan relies on that performance number, or you might need to wait for HR to say like, how many days of PTO did they take in that period? Because if their profit sharing plan, they only get a certain, you know, if they didn't work the hundred percent of days in the period, it deducts some of those days. So the accountants not only have to manage this, right? And typically it's in Excel, but then they also have to work and, and depend on all of these other resources and all of these other roles within the organization to get them information, to then plug it in, to then make the distributions, right? So there's like tons of back and forth and there's a lot of like, just like waiting and time. So it's a lot of time and it's like, hey, pick emails, Slack, hey, can you get me that number? I'm trying to run this, oh, cool. You know what I mean? So, so this now is like a tool where it's sort of like centrally located, even if they do still manage it, it's sort of everything is happening in here and it's not sort of dependent on that many different humans that then they could, uh, there's human error. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Uh, Ryan, I want to ask about your team. Can you describe what kind of team you have? I see a whiteboard on your, uh, back. <laughs> so yeah, I think you can brainstorm some ideas on this whiteboard. Uh, so yeah. tell about your methods, how to hire great people and to uh, lead them in the right way. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, we're, we're pretty early right now. So the team is relatively lean. So it's me, um, this world-class product designer, Alex, um, I have a, a lead software developer, software engineer, call it, we don't call him CTO, but call it CTO. And then a software engineer under him. So we're a four person, super lean team right now as we're building this. 
We're hiring another software engineer. We're hiring a marketing person. And then as soon as we're ramping up sales, we're going to hire uh, what's called account executive, right? So we're going to go from, you know, four to seven uh, within the next three months. Um, and then from there, you know, go. But right now we're a four-person team, me, product designer, two software engineers. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important, you know, to have product designer because simplicity, you know, is the most important element that I, I can see, you know. Exactly. Uh, it's not even just about the design. It's more, it's also really about the UX, right? It's more about the yeah. flow, right? So it's not just making it pretty and everything, but it's like, you, you know, it's really takes strategic thinking to, you know, how do we eliminate clicks, right? And how do we make it incredibly intuitive and like, you know, should there be a toggle? Should this be something that, you know, the admin can show or not show? You know, there's a lot of like thought that actually goes into like more like user experience versus, versus design. Design, sure, it's, you need it. But I think UX is actually like more important because, you know, that's where like, you know, it takes the, the flow of the user and kind of gets them from A to B in a way that, you know, you're trying to like drive that behavior. Yeah, yeah. I remember... Um, you know, I read a lot of uh, reviews about uh, SEO tools, for, ex for example, Ahrefs and SEMrush. Uh, I think yeah, SEMrush yeah. invests a lot more uh, and has a lot more features, but people love user experience on Ahrefs because it's simple. So yeah, yeah, like you don't need, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't need to have a lot of features because it might confuse more than help, you know, or uh, yeah. it's better to create separate tools, you know, but yeah, SEMrush is yeah, successful. Just... It's yeah. I was just listening to uh, the owner of this restaurant do an interview recently, and they said, you know, when they first came to market, they had like 30 menu items, right? Like uh, they sell pretzels, like stuffed pretzels, right? And they had like 30 different stuffings and different cheeses. And it was like, it was actually overwhelming for the user, for the customers. And it almost reminded me of software. And, they, and, then, and then basically she said when they distilled it down, people were buying like six, basically people were buying like the top six stuffed pretzels, right? Yeah. So they're like, we got to kill all of this choice, right? Like they don't need to choose the cheese and the, you know, the meat and the stuff. It's like, let's give them, you know, cheese steak and crab and, and, you know, these five different ones that pretty much everyone's buying. And it reminded me of software too. It's like, if you, for instance, Ahrefs, you know, I'm sure people want like keyword research tools, like, like how are my pages doing, you know, maybe competitor, you know, it's like five, give them like top features instead of like, dumping them with everything because then it's like the user gets like overwhelmed I, there's decision fatigue i can't decide i i don't like yeah i don't know should i want this i don't know um and uh, anyway i thought there was a lot of similarities you know with that and software so yeah hear that. I, I remember when uh, uh many years ago someone told me let's uh make a meeting uh book a meeting and send me the link uh, to zoom uh, I, I replied, I have no time to register in a new tool. You don't need, just open the link. That's it. <gasps> wow, really? I opened the link? Yeah, it works. And uh, I think I had the same experience with TikTok. You know, yeah, I uh, downloaded this app and started to watch videos. Uh, you know, I didn't register my account. So if you're not going to create content, you just need to uh, download and consume this content. Very simple. That's why TikTok, Zoom. Many yeah, other yeah. companies, yeah, uh, uh, because of this simple experience, they decided to take away this pain with registration, with many things. Of course, you can register, you can uh, 
to Atmos settings, personalization. But you know, it's interesting. I removed TikTok because this app learned my mind. I don't know how, but uh, <laughs> when I open TikTok, I can't stop watch, watching these videos for two hours. You know, uh, I think TikTok, it makes you dumber. Yeah, TikTok knows exactly what I like to consume. It shows these amazing videos, and I decided to remove for some time because I need to figure out how to stop watching these videos. You know, user-generated content. Love it, love it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, I want to ask about uh, building high expectations. You know, my, many entrepreneurs, you know, they uh, quit because they have no patience. And when you start something new, um, I, I was on this boat, you know, when I started some new projects, uh, I always build high expectations. Oh, okay, I can win the market. I can get a lot of customers. But when you meet these pitfalls, you understand it takes time because you compete with some companies that spend decades on this trade. It doesn't mean that you can't find your way. You can, you can, but it takes time and, and patience. So can you tell how you are patient with many your projects and uh, what kind of expectations you have with existing share below? So I am not patient, but I've learned uh, that just keep going. You know, like just keep going. Don't give up everything. Like to your point, everything takes time. You know, it's kind of the classic. Like if I go to the gym like five times and I'm like, how come I'm not shredded? It's like you have to just trust the process. And I think that's, you know, what I've learned over the years is like, you're right. It's not going to, you know, be as fast as you want it to, to go. But but now that I have the benefit, right, of a little bit of experience under my belt, I do sort of know at a high level you know, what things, you know, how long things will take. Look, you know, and I want things to take less long and I shoot for that and I hope that, and, you know, there are edge cases where, you know, maybe this is different. We get enterprise customers and we can grow faster. And, you know, the, you have all of those sort of like aspirational ideas in terms of expectations. But um, I think the main thing is like, just keep going. These things compound over time, right? And it's like, you're going to just, you know, you're going to get your 10,000 hours in, as they say, and become that expert and like, just do wake up every day and just love sort of the process of it. And don't just like be sort of like goal focused in terms of like a destination goal and like be more like identity driven. Um, you know, they kind of talk about that in that book, uh, Atomic Habits from James Clear. Yeah. About I love like, this it's kind of like, be like identity. Like I'm, I'm this like entrepreneur that's building this billion dollar company that, you know, I'm in the early innings. I'm like pretty much like, it's like the first pitch is getting thrown out, you know, and you can't compare yourself to others. You know, you don't know how long the game's going to take and it could have go to extra innings. And, you know, there's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of factors, but if you sort of are like, I just like love playing this game and putting it together. And as the game goes on, you're learning a shitload, right? You're learning a shitload. You're, you're compounding your customers are like making recommendations. Uh, you're getting referrals. So like just stay in the game, I think is the biggest thing, uh, especially for people who aren't patient. It's like, don't just chase shiny objects. Too many people do that, right? They're like, oh, this didn't work. I'm going to go chase this. I'm going to go chase this. So like little like squirrels just like running around. But it's like, just stay in the game and just like put your head down and like keep going because like it's only going to compound. It's only going to get better. Yeah, I and agree. I think... <laughs> yeah, I think the the best way to stay in the game, uh, to love what you do, you know, yeah. if you if you are not passionate, you know, it's better to leave it because uh, you can sacrifice your time, you can suffer, but uh, it will be hard to achieve results. Uh, and uh, I remember I started one project because uh, I found the gap on market and I had a lot of people 
and wasted three years with this project. But I hated Monday, loved Friday, <laughs> and uh, I decided to leave. I quit. I gave up with this project because uh, that was not my passion. I didn't yeah. understand the topic. That was the gap that I decided to fill. But, uh, you know, uh, I think I, I remember when I listened to uh, interested episode audio podcast about the guy, I forget his name, but he's a friend of uh, Jeff Bezos. And he spent 14 years without sales to create a company. 14 years. Uh, he didn't give up for 14 years because he loved this experience. And today, this company, a few billion dollar uh, market. It's a company. Star, yeah, yeah I, I, I forget this name. I'll, I'll check out and send you when I find yeah, yeah. it. Uh, anyway, you know, uh, and he explained this experience uh, of, uh, you know, 14 years of creating this product. And uh, today, if I remember correctly, like uh, offices in 56 uh, countries, you know, uh, big company because he loved the experience. He enjoyed the process. It's the same like to watch TV. You know, people can watch six hours TV a day. No, yeah, if you love your job, if you are passionate, you can go ahead. It doesn't matter. You, you can't give up because uh, uh, you enjoy the experience. For me, it's more important than anything else. You know, when you tell about this company, I see, you know, this passion, energy that I want to do it, you know, <laughs> so I can feel it. And I want to ask about mistakes. You know, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I keep doing them. Sometimes I don't know how to find another way. Uh, we need to do it, to do mistakes because we start from best practices, generic strategies. Then we, uh, yeah, we made mistakes, learn from them, and go ahead. Can you list mistakes that companies still do, and your tips how to find another way? I mean, like mistakes that we can avoid. Yeah. So I mean, I'll give you mistakes that you know I've made in the past that I think I'm now able to sort of bypass this time, which I'm sure now I'll just make other mistakes. But you know. For instance, you know, at my last company, PhoneWagon, um, I actually started with the developers instead of designer first, right? I should have gone, you know, in terms of like what the process looks like, I should have, you know, done sort of wireframes, design, then started development. And I sort of like did that process uh, backwards. Um, and, you know, we eventually had to like make up for those errors and that, you know, cost, cost additional money and time. Um, another mistake that, you know, I made back then was I hired like really, uh, first I think I built it in a weird language. I built it in .NET, which is like in, in, in my previous company initially, and we eventually had to rewrite everything. Um, we also, you know, started with this, like, I, I'm not technical and I was kind of working with like, uh, maybe like not the, I could have been working with maybe better uh more seasoned more experienced um software engineers from the gate but i wanted to like hey how do i like kind of do it for for cheap right especially in the beginning um and while yes in the beginning it might work sort of uh it might get you there faster it's going to slow you down later you know we again we eventually had to sort of rewrite everything so i think it was like you know i, I went cheap early and i kind of did the process wrong and i think it's important to sort of know and, and again, you can apply a lot of this to a lot of different businesses. It doesn't have to be, you know, software companies and, you know, design and software engineering, but it's like, you know, there, there is an order of operations that you need to follow with a lot of, you know, company building, right. Whether you're building products, whether you're, you know, even offering services, whether you're even, you know, building a course and you're, you know, selling a course, right. There's sort of like, got to do the outline first. You can't just start making slides. You're like, shit, I didn't do the outline. Right. Or like, then you yeah. do this, that you're trying to record a video and you didn't write a script. 
right? And there's just like a process that has to be done. And I think it's important to like know the process and sort of follow, um, you know, at a high level, the right order of operations in order to like get the right output that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I agree. But actually, I usually start from uh, texting, you know, I write text. Yeah, 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 then, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, then I go to designers and tell them, look, look my text, please <laughs> design everything that I wrote, you know, on this text. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, Ryan, you know, I found that we usually get high results with companies uh, who, uh, you know, they understand SEO. If they understand SEO, so we can like uh, go ahead together. Uh, we know why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, why we need to think more about traffic value than uh, getting just traffic. So uh, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. It's your first day to start share Villa. What would you do today if you need to do everything from scratch? Um, what would I do today in terms of, uh, in terms of building the product or? Yeah. Uh, share Willow. Yeah. I mean, I think I would kind of what you said at first, you know, what I do is I, I like to document everything, like document the use cases, document, mm -hmm. you know, what I think it looks like. I even sort of maybe like build in like Excel or something, what I think like the product could do within it. Um, it's really a lot of typing up use cases, you know, market sizing competitors, just looking at a lot of these different like documents, um, then taking it to sort of product design and saying like, Hey, let's, you know, maybe create some wireframes sort of around what this product would look like. Here's some inspirational products. Here's, you know, use cases. Here's what I'm thinking. Get some, uh, get some wireframes in there, ship it to design. You know, once we're starting to get the initial designs, then get, you know, uh, you know, developers to start, to start building it, you know, in, in tandem to that, build the website, right. Get a nice website, web flow, put in a bunch of, you know, seed the site with a lot of, you know, maybe AI, uh, web pages, AI blog posts, blog posts, whatever, whether AI or not AI. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, wait six months for the website to start ranking through indexing and things like that. And then in the meantime, talk to customers, a lot of customer discovery, I think is important. Um, and you know, you got to make sure that you have product market fit and you're, you know, figure out exactly how customers are currently doing things and say like, is this an improvement, you know, and how big of a pain is the current process, your current systems, you know, would you pay for this? How much would you pay? Um, you know, can, you know, do you want to use it? Like that sort of thing, right? A lot of customer discovery, I think is important. Um, you know, in order to do that outbound emails, mail merges, you know, maybe some surveys, phone calls, like just do whatever you got to do to talk to those customers. Yeah, nice, nice. And Ryan, my final question about the future. I often ask this question, you know, um, for example, I have my crystal ball, but yeah. it doesn't work. I tried a few times. I bought crypto. <laughs> now <laughs> I felt that crypto will go up, but actually it went down. Uh, you know, luckily I learned from Warren Buffett, never put all eggs in one basket. <laughs> so yeah. I can invest some money that I can lose. And uh, I'm interested about the future in this industry. You know, it's interesting that uh, uh, in accounting, my, uh, it's not accounting, uh, but um, it's related. I mean, like uh, many things are coming, like uh, AI we have today and AI will change the world. Uh, yeah. Some people can tell that in five years, it will be another world with AI and all big companies 
invest a lot in AI. Uh, so can you tell what kind of future will be and how we can adapt today to this possible future? Yeah, look, I think AI is going to assist, uh, is going to, it's going to take some jobs, for instance, a lot of jobs that are like repetitive and, you know, it's going to like alleviate those jobs and those people are then going to sort of migrate or shift into, you know, more thought provoking uh, jobs where, you know, they're, they're, or they're maybe like more human uh, interactive jobs. Um, so I think like, look, and then I think it's going to help a lot of people. It's going to help a lot of people create better reports and do better research and find information faster, you know, instead of, you know, searching Google and looking through all these like academia, you know, journals and stuff like that, it's going to just give them the answers faster. So I think people are going to be able to do their jobs faster. Our data is going to be cleaner, assuming that AI is going to be pulling in like clean, um, correct, accurate data. Um, and it's going to allow people to just like do, do better quality work uh, with better information uh, faster. So I think that's what's going to happen, you know, with AI. I don't think like it's just going to be a bunch of robots doing everything. I think there is, you know, people still want human connection. There's an emotional fulfillment need that a lot of, you know, humans inherently have. Uh, so I think like, you, you know, you're still going to have that. And I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of a lot of industries, especially even like enterprise software sales, it's a it's a human it's a human business. Um, and there's still going to be the need for face to face interaction, whether that's, you know, Zoom calls or whether that's actual face to face. But that's how real business is getting done. Right. People are, you know, rubbing shoulders with each other. Um, that's how people are raising funds. That's how people are, you know, just doing a lot of business together. Um, and uh, so but, yeah, I think AI is going to help. Um kind of get get people to do their job, do do jobs like that easier, faster, and with better information. Nice, nice. Love it. Awesome. Ryan, it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you. I love it. Uh, I'm going to test your uh, soft, you know, to think how okay, I can adapt in my company. I recommend to anyone to test it, to think yeah. if it works for you. And tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah, so um, follow me, Ryan A. Shank, on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, Share Willow is, uh, is just Share Willow. It'll be linked in bio everywhere. But thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. And uh, I hope you have a great Thursday. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking part. Uh, guys, you can find the link to Instagram, Twitter in the description below. By the way, have you registered in Fred? Uh, New, new social media from uh, Meta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already, I've already done a bunch of threads. <laughs> ah, okay, nice. Okay, I'll submit Fred as well <laughs> in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.